It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Tonight to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, this is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. Each and every Monday night, you catch us here at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, that's 8 o'clock in the Central Time Zone, 7 o'clock in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, this is where you find us on Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, and I'm so glad that you've joined us tonight. I do apologize for the temporary, momentarily, uh, technical difficulties as they were trying to queue up the board and those things there. But you have us live and in living color tonight. And we're so glad for many of you that are joining us for the very first time and those of you that are joining us from around the globe. This show is designed with you in mind. This show is about hope and healing because we recognize it is a journey to wholeness. This show basically addresses the issue of domestic violence, abuse. Abandonment, rejection, it addresses loss, grief, whatever that have caused pain. But more importantly, how do we recover and get on the road to healing? Now, like I said, every Monday night, you can find us right here at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. And you can join us in a number of ways. You can join us by way of the Internet. If you're listening in by Internet, www.soulofamericaradio.com. That's www.soulofamericaradio.com. Or you can listen to us live by simply dialing area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us, and that is how you get on the airway. Now, if you're calling and you're listening, 
uh, on the airway and you desire to have a question and or comment, simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the airway and we'll get you on the air. We'll get you there. You don't have to give your name if you don't like and I would like to get you on. So tonight, we're going to get started tonight. We do have a special guest that I'm quite sure was on earlier, and he's now trying to reach us again. He was on earlier, and I know that through the technical difficulties that we may have lost him, but uh, I know that he'll be back on and we can reach him. I want to make sure that you get there, and because uh, there's so much to discuss. Many of you that follow us by the way of social media, you can find us on Facebook at J.R. Hicklin, or our page that deals with domestic violence, It Is Your Business. That is an open group there uh, that you can become a part of, and uh, much information is posted on there as it relates to the issue of domestic violence, different cases, and those things there. You also can reach us uh, on the Internet there on social media. We have another page, Destiny by Choice page, that's on the uh, that is on Facebook as well, as well as our Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship page, which is a different type of a page. It's the antithesis of all the pain. It's about uplifting and praise and glory and all those wonderful things that makes us who we are, and we're very glad about that tonight. So as we are welcoming you on tonight, we're looking forward to our time together. Now, on last week, we did uh, talk a lot about the fact of this time of year, we talked about what happens when domestic violence occurs during the holiday season and how tragic it is for so many families that suffer loss around this time, unexpected loss, tragic loss that oftentimes impacts families for a lifetime. Their holiday is never the same from that point on. Families that have small children or children, period, all of a sudden coming down toward the holiday season seem to be something that they dread rather than something they embrace. Because the issue of domestic violence is so far-reaching, far-impacting, that means that it's something that requires us all to be able to be a part of it. See, domestic violence, it is your business. It is my business. It is everyone's business. We have every responsibility and every right to make a difference inside of this. So I want you to be involved tonight, Erico 323 784 that is how you reach us tonight, and we're going to revisit some things from last week as we wait on our caller to call back in. We wait on it to happen immediately, and we look forward to it because what I believe is this. It is the question that I'm asked the most. Why did I stay? Why does any woman stay? And for the life of me, I can't understand why people are obsessed with it because to me it's so obvious why does anybody stay with somebody that they love you know we've all been in relationships that even if they weren't abusive we're not working any longer and we all stay far longer than we want and it's you stay for the same reasons you stay because you love the person or you love what you used to have or you're trying to take care of your children when we ask, why did you stay, you know, we're blaming the victim for their abuse, as opposed to asking, why did you hit this person? Or why are you violent? Or why do you feel the need to be violent? Why would somebody abuse, why would somebody beat the people who love him or her most on earth? Until we ask that question, we won't be able to obliterate domestic violence. We have got to focus on the perpetrators of violence, not the victims.
it's cliche, but he really was Prince Charming. He was very kind and sweet and nice. I left what I was doing to come and be with him, and I was alone with him. I didn't have any uh, friends or family in the area. I couldn't find a job, so he paid the bills. And so we got into an argument, and that's the first time that he hit me. He actually threw me up against the wall and started to choke me. and I didn't really understand what was happening because he was not that person all this time. Um, and so when he finally let me go, I thought it was something I did. You know, I wasn't thinking to run. After we got married, it didn't stop. It just got worse and worse and worse. And I felt like I was trapped. At that point, we had moved from where we were across the country again and I was further isolated. I didn't have any friends or family, and essentially he still was the breadwinner. I was dependent on him. So if I left, what was I, what was I gonna do? Where was I gonna go? You know, who, how was I gonna take care of myself? I felt like no one would understand, and I felt like no one would care. The first full-out physical attack was five days before the wedding. Part of me, knew I had to leave him right then, that I couldn't marry somebody who had done this. But then this other part of me said, but wait, it was one time. And I told myself he'd never do it again, that I was sure he was very sorry, and um, I didn't leave. I married him. You stayed with this guy. Yeah, I didn't have a choice. I mean, he told me, and I, and I absolutely, you know, that's the part that is always so interesting to me. It's like, you know, the standard question, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Well, uh, he was trained by the United States Marine Corps to hunt people down and kill them, and he told me if I left, he would hunt me down and kill me. That's why I didn't leave. I used to pull what he would call my disappearing axe, and that would be, I would, you know, get the boys and get out because I, it just was getting too intense. But I would always go back because at least I knew where he was. At least I knew the routine. I knew what to expect. But, you know, it's it's a terrible way to live to always be looking over your shoulder. He didn't start out with being abusive. He started out with being incredibly sweet and incredibly attentive and incredibly thoughtful and incredibly kind and saying things to me that no one had ever said. and and paying attention to me in ways that no one ever had. You know, and I was really taken by it. One of the reasons why we stay is because the behavior is such a drastic change from the person we met in the beginning. And we're constantly looking for the man in the beginning instead of concentrating on the man that is in front of us. Once I understood that, then I made the decision, you know, I got to go. This is not the same man I married. I mean, I love him, but he's going to kill me. With every violent uh, moment, I felt further connected to him in this kind of twisted way. I felt that, you know, we had this secret that they bound us together and that this was something big and we were working on it. And so we had to stay together until we worked it out. The violence got to a point where I realized that I, I could die. 
I had to create a plan. I had to figure out where I was going to go and how I was going to get there and who I was going to reach out to for help if there was any. I was scared. I was afraid that he would find me. I was afraid that he would be so angry that I left that he would come after me. I couldn't just get up and walk away. And it was the most terrible feeling to know that I could leave and I still couldn't leave because I was bound by this psychological trap that I thought was love that wasn't love. You know, I had so much denial. If you had come to me and said, are you being physically abused? You know, if my doctor had asked me or a best friend, I would have said, no, I'm not being physically abused. You do feel isolated and you keep a lot of secrets. You know, you keep a lot of secrets in your, in your heart, in your home, in your head. I stayed because I believed him when he said he wasn't gonna do it again. I stayed because I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have any money. I didn't have access to any resources. I stayed because my religious community convinced me that I couldn't get divorced because God would hate me. Um, I stayed because I loved him. You know, I stayed because he was the love of my life and I wanted to believe that love could conquer all, including abuse. internet you're probably seeing a series of advertisements please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio by choice to fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship 
on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem 2, and I am fighting the power on the soul of America Radio. Worldwide, coast to coast talk radio. This is the soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickline, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. We apologize to those of you that were coming in late uh, inside of some technical difficulties that we've had, and look like we've got most of those things that are straightened out tonight, and we're so glad to get on with the show on tonight. As I said to you earlier, and as I've been saying all along, it's the fact that tonight's show is very interesting in this aspect. We have been covering the themes since last week, talking about domestic violence occurring during the holidays, and so much that we've talked about the agony, the pain, the trauma that family experience anytime you deal with loss and these type of tragic losses during the holiday period of time. And families are being impacted by this, entire families. This oftentimes changes the way they even approach the holiday because of tragic losses. Well, many people, when they're going through these type of things, they're wondering, where is help? Where are people? Does anyone care? You know, it, it, isn't this type of stuff uh, supposed to take a break during the holidays? Well, unfortunately, that is not the numbers, and that's not what it says. As a matter of fact, it tends to tell us that these type of things escalate even more. As many of you know, we have been involved in this work for over 23 years and have been doing so, and oftentimes felt like we're on an island ourselves. As a male, as a man, as a black man, as a man of faith, uh, in the line of work that I was in, oftentimes I felt that I was on an island. But as time has gone, I realized that there are others that have been touched, that have been ordained, who have been chosen to do this work, who understand how impactful it is and understand the necessity of us being able to have answers and solutions and actually understand that there's a lot to do with this work, not just prevention, but definitely prevention, not just intervention, but definitely intervention, not just postvention, but definitely postvention. That means that we go to another level in which we begin to administer what we believe is ultimately people have to be healed from experiencing this issue, and that that healing is that place that they get to. It's hope and healing. It's a journey to becoming whole again. And we have over the years have had many survivors on our lines, many different experts on our line, and we are very excited. Tonight, I'm excited tonight to have a young man that is on the line who is doing some tremendous work there in the great state of Mississippi, and uh, he's doing some tremendous work there. Uh, 
He is doing work. He works with an organization, Our House, and he's going to talk about it a little bit more. Believe me, you know, we talk about gold standards. Well, you got to understand that Our House is a gold standard inside of addressing the issue of domestic violence. Uh, and I can tell you, I've gone many places around this country, and I cannot find any place that does it any better than they do it down there in the Mississippi Delta. So I want you to give a great Hope and healing. Welcome to Mr. Ozell Pace Jr., who is a cultural, culturally specific advocate for our house. As he comes, come on, let's give him a hope and welcome today. As he come on our show tonight, he's a young man, and I'm going to say good evening to you. Good evening. I'm so glad that you're with us tonight, and uh, um, thank you for your patience and coming on tonight. And uh, you know, I've been excited about having you on the air because of the fact. You're a young man, and you're involved in this issue of domestic violence. And um, I want to ask so many questions, but I'm going to start with what is oftentimes probably the obvious one that you get, because I got it when I was in this field very early on and still get it. And it says, what made you get involved with the issue of domestic violence? Uh, well, first and foremost, I, I want to thank you uh, for allowing me to be on the, the show this evening. Uh, it's an honor uh, and a privilege uh, to be able to do so. Um, but to answer your question, what made me get involved, um, I've been associated with Our House for uh, many, many years. Uh, I had a, the opportunity to go through one of the youth programs that we have here, uh, Yes Group. Uh, so it was uh, at an early age, uh, and from the elementary age, I, I believe I was around seven years old to uh, my current age, I've been exposed uh, to learning about interpersonal violence. So it, it didn't really hit home for me until I got to college. Uh, and that's when I, I began to really see, uh, especially dating violence, so prevalent. Uh, and the older I got and the more mature I got, I realized that violence against women, I know we hear this often, uh, it, it is a threat to our community. Uh, it is a threat to, the over, to our, our public health, basically. So um, just it's, it's important because a lot of people don't know. Uh, there's a particular uh, scripture uh, in Hosea that says, my people perish from the lack of knowledge. It goes on to say because they have rejected knowledge. So a lot of times in our community especially, uh, a lot, the knowledge is available, uh, but they reject the knowledge. Uh, so, you know, I wanted uh, to come aboard and to present the information in a different way, in a different way that, that they may be uh, more uh, receptive and more acceptable uh, of accepting their knowledge. Uh, because I, I believe that um, the interpersonal violence, uh, the violence against women is a man's issue, uh, and that it will not end until men come together uh, and work together to end it. Well, you know, when I hear that, I, I feel like I'm hearing an echo even of myself because I believe that uh, I believe that very wholeheartedly is that until we have men to step up and take not only ownership right. but also begin to take some some real steps in ending violence, what we're simply saying is that hey, that's your thing, you guys take care of it. But the reality is that you know if we're going to talk about men as men being leaders and men as being the head and all those things then we cannot exclude them from this very important work in that we understand that, listen, between 80, you know, we understand that, uh, you know, that although 15 to 20% of men actually batter, 
when we reverse that, we understand the fact that that means that we definitely have between 80 and 85 percent of men that need to be involved in helping to work against that part that is violated. So we need to educate that. And you, you said something earlier about the fact that it was important to you to get the message out in a, in, in a different way. And I want to just go there for a second because one of the things I recognized very early on in dealing with domestic violence over a period of years was that there was actually a sound that was missing. And I'll use that term. There was a sound okay. that was missing inside of the mainstream message. In many ways, I understood why men wasn't involved. Because the tone, the overall, the undertone of the message was almost so anti-man that, listen, you didn't want to come anywhere near it because of the fact, oh, God, if I get anywhere near it, I might catch it. I might catch, I might catch batterism. You know? I might, I might catch wow. it. Men ran away from the subject matter, and, and one of the reasons was also because the mainstream constantly called it a woman's, a woman's issue. This is a woman's issue. This is a woman's issue. And the more they took ownership of it, it excused men from getting involved in it. And right. I heard you talk about your journey being there in our house, and, and and literally, I can use this term, growing up at the table and seeing this and seeing the tremendous work that they did and how much it impacted you and it motivated you. But like most people that I believe that really have stuck, stuck with this work, you begin to take the next step. And that next step where you say your eyes open, uh, there was a whole different, if you would, uh, epiphany, if you would, that happened when you got to college and you saw the prevalence of dating violence and you recognized that it, it was time that your voice be heard in a different way. For you, for you, Ozell, yes, in what way did you change that? And in, in what way did you realize that your voice had to be changed? And what and what did you do specifically that 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 caused you to sound a different message that would be one that would get people to be more uh, receptive uh, of this message about domestic violence? Well, it it, it started. Uh, I was a resident assistant uh, in our dorm at the college that I attended. Um, and it was it was then where watching my residents, I realized that dating violence, uh, you know, it, it was prevalent. It was a real issue, um, and I, I just felt the need like I I just can't sit back and just watch this happen and not do anything about it. So uh, we had the opportunity um, during the beginning of each semester, our dorm hosted um, a program. We we had to host different programs. So one particular program, um, I was allowed to host. Um, a program regarding domestic violence. So, um, and we hosted that program, and it was we literally uh, got approved for it at the very last minute to host the program. So I picked uh, a few residents who were willing uh, to work with me, willing to do a little quick skit so we can host it, and we did. And I say that it, it was successful in in a way that. Uh, after it was over, people were coming up to us and, and stated that, you know, they had experienced uh, the, uh, dating violence, uh, if not in college, then before they got to college. So, you know, we connected them to the counseling center on our campus, uh, you know, to, to, for them to get further assistance. Uh, so it's, it's just about uh, taking whatever platform you, you you have, I believe everyone has a, a different platform. So whether you you are uh, you work in the school system or the, the students you work with are your platform. If you are in ministry, the people you have you minister to are your platforms 
even if you just work at a grocery store, uh, those people that, that you come in contact with are your platform. Uh, so wherever you are in the community, wherever capacity you serve in the community, uh, where you live, uh, that is your platform, and you should use it in a way if you're going to spread anything, you might as well spread uh, knowledge and wisdom uh, that can be beneficial and actually help others. And I can take myself for instance, especially since joining our house, uh, is that now, you know, we, we spend a lot of time uh, on Bibles, at our Bible studies, uh, discussing, I mean, dis discussing, discussing uh, dating violence, sexual assault, uh, especially bystander intervention, uh, because we, we want to make sure that, uh, that our church knows, because we, we, we believe it has a ripple effect. If we educate them and we inform them, uh, if they have a loved one who's going through that, they can do the same thing. So it's knowledge uh, that, will, that will be continued to spread uh, through our entire community. It, it reciprocates. Uh, it's a cycle, and it's a good cycle. Wow. You know, you said some things. I mean, you said so much there, and I want to make sure that people are hearing it all there. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and you're, you're, you're joining us tonight, and our special guest that has called in tonight is Mr. Ozell Pace, uh, Jr. He is a culturally specific advocate with our house. And our house is located in the Mississippi Delta in Greenville, Mississippi. And I tell you what an excellent program that they have. It is a program that is uh, uh, faith-based, is connected to their church, uh, uh, New Light. And, uh, and they have an incredible, incredible director, Dr. Patricia Davenport. And this whole team is just amazing. You just said something that I want to make sure our audience heard, and that is the fact about your Bible study, your church, the things that you all are doing in order to create a climate that people understand so much of what they can do, uh, you know, inside of bystander intervention, inside of being able to recognize certain signs. In other words, you guys have raised a culture where people are not sitting on their hands or sitting on the premises saying, you know, uh, you know what happened to uh, or uh, what is it that we can do? You all are making sure that it's happening. And I, and I wanted you just to address that. Matter of fact, for those of, of audience that are out there listening who may not be familiar with our, uh, our house, uh, share with them a little bit our house and some of the most uh, some of the outstanding things that you all are doing. And please take the liberty because people need to know. And one reason I want our audience to know is because so often the missing link in our communities uh, is the church. And the church is the most visible entity inside of any community, whether it be rural, rural or urban. It is the most visible entity. And yet it's still many churches are not doing work around this issue here. And it is the most, it is the most if you would, impactful thing that, that uh, really affects families. When you start talking about families being torn apart, that's not just through divorce. That is through abuse. That is through destruction. That is through behaviors that have uh, systematically and, and, and intergenerationally have affected families. And, and and I know, you know, having been around not only uh, uh, Dr. Davenport but Bishop Roderick Mitchell and 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 that staff that are there at uh, our house, that you all are doing some very innovative things. So share, take a few moments to share with our audience some things about our house and. You know, and you're working there, and there are other males that have worked there and worked there, and you guys are doing so many things. And take a moment to share, and I want people to hear because of the fact 
uh, you're a young man, and yet it's still you, you have manned up and you're standing up against domestic violence. And, and uh, as you take the moment to share, I want to make sure those of you that are listening and you desire to have a question or comment, uh, simply uh uh, hit number one on your keypad if you're already called in. If you're listening by way of the Internet and you would like to get on and ask a question or have a comment, there, just simply call area code 323-784-9638. And once you're on, hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you have a question and you have a comment. So if you're listening right now, you have a question or comment that you'd like to ask uh, Mr. Uh, Ozell Pace, Jr. or myself, simply hit one on the keypad now, and we'll get ready to bring you on. But, but Ozell, if you would, Talk a little bit about our house and, and what they're doing and, and, and how their mission have really uh, given you a platform to really go forth and make a difference. Well, um, I, I can talk for hours about our house, especially all of the services uh, that we offer. Uh, our house is located, uh, our outreach facility is located uh, in Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, that's in uh, Washington County. Uh, we serve uh, several counties, Atala, Bolivar, Carroll, Grenada, Holmes, Sunflower, LaFleur, Montgomery, um, and Washington County. I believe I, I, I covered them all. So we, we, we cover a vast majority uh, of the Mississippi Delta. Uh, but we offer uh, several programs for our, our, from our new beginning shelter to we have a, um, a sexual assault support group, and it's called SARA. Uh, they're sexual assault responders advocating killing. Uh, we have an a, a opposite group called uh, David, uh, and uh, SARA is a, for our, uh, our female uh, um, survivors of sexual assault, and David is for our male survivors of sexual assault. Uh, we have our Yes group. Uh, our Yes group is, is a group that I, I went through uh, at a young age, and it's uh, Youth Enrichment Services. Uh, we have a group called Let's Talk About It. Um, we have a Leah group. Uh, and these are for victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. Uh, we have our MASH program. That's Men Against Spouse and Harm, uh, and that's a court-ordered domestic violence uh, program for domestic violence abusers. Uh, we have our ABLES program that's for survivors of uh, homicide loss. Um, and uh, we have WAVE. Uh, WAVE is a youth council. WAVE stands for working against violence everywhere as a youth council. And they, those youth range between the ages of uh, 13, 13 through 24. Uh, and we have uh, WAVE. We have one of my babies and the newest uh, program on board is Mississippi Lives. Uh, Mississippi Lives. Uh, is um, uh, let's end interpersonal violence by empowering students. Uh, and what Mississippi lives is we uh, implement a 14-week healthy relationship uh, curriculum uh, in schools here in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, and through that, we conduct a pre and post test. Well, during that, that, that time, uh, each student identifies themselves as either uh, being a victim of, of some type of interpersonal violence. Well, after that, we uh, we found ourselves uh, not being t able to, you know, uh, fully meet the entire needs of the students because we, since we are in Washington County and we may have a student in Sunflower County, so some of our the counties that we do serve uh, may can be as close as 30 minutes to two hours away. So we wanted to bring our services to them. So that's what, what, what Mississippi Lives is. It's a support group, uh, but it's inside the school. But we've designed it in a way uh, that we um, 
with the children don't, don't really know it's a support group. Uh, they, they, but what they understand and, and uh, will know that it's, it's just a group where, where they're being educated about interpersonal violence. Uh, and we also cover, uh, we'll cover sessions such as healing. So in the process, they'll be educated and receive healing, hope and healing uh, in their process. But our house has been for well over 20 years now, have been doing great work in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, I know as recently I spoke to uh, a, a pastor here in Greenville, Mississippi, uh, and he stated that he had never been to any program that our house has hosted. He said, but I've, I've seen the, the commercials uh, that you all have on TV. And he also stated that, that I, I know uh, many people who have been impacted uh, by the work that we've done. Uh, and also most recently I, I had an opportunity to run into a uh, 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 young lady uh, uh, here in Washington County who stated that our house uh, helped her so much many years ago. I think she said well over 15 years ago, our house helped her so much get out of her situation uh, and gave her a, a newfound hope, a new opportunity in life. Uh, so it's just, it. our words alone can't, uh, you know, capture uh, all the great work that our house uh, does. Words alone cannot capture. Um and, and, and it's just wonderful. It's, it's, it's like, you know, when people say, if I had 10,000 tongues, uh, you know, that it, it still wouldn't be good enough. So even if I had all the words, I, I truly couldn't, you know, capture everything that our house does. Uh, but one of, I, I love our vision that we have here, and our vision is to have a world free of interpersonal violence. So that's, that's, that's something that I think about on a daily basis uh, is that, that's what we're aiming for, having a world free of interpersonal violence. So that, that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and we've been working towards that for well over 20 years. And um, each day, little by little, we, we're, we're accomplishing that. Um, and we're making good strides every day. Well, I, I tell you something, Lil, as, as you talk about that, and, you know, and, and my, uh, even my involvement in, being exposed to such great work that our house is doing, I really want our audience to really appreciate this because what you described there was every program that you you all have at our house is an outreach to people. It is reaching them where they are. And whether people realize that every program that you have have a biblical name to it. It is an acronym of a biblical name, but the services that you provide, I was very familiar with uh, your MASH program, the Men Against Spousal Harm, because, in fact, uh, I've heard so much from it. There's so much that you all have implemented there that I think that we need to see a, that we need to see almost replicated around the country. Because one thing that is really important is the fact that we empower people and that people uh, are empowered to uh, to not only to heal but empowered to help teach others, empowered to help reach others. And the only way to do that is that we have to get from behind our administrative desks. We have to get from behind the walls of our churches, and we must be able to reach the community where they are. Hurt doesn't wow. just come to church. Hurt is happening outside of the church. And if hurt happened to stumble in the church, the church needs to be equipped to deal with the hurt. And so that's some things that you guys are doing there at our house. And uh, 
I'm excited about it, and I want to do this. I want to take a, uh, just a quick commercial break here, but I want to say to our audience that are listening with us tonight, if you have a question or comment and you desire to say anything tonight, simply call area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us. Hit the number one on the keypad, and we'll be so very glad to get you on the airway tonight. You're listening to Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and we'll be right back after these messages. I still look over my shoulder every day, and the fear's still there. This woman was a victim of domestic abuse. She has chosen to conceal her identity because even though she is free, the fear is still there. For her, getting the courage to leave the comfortable life she knew and not return was the hardest part. I left 11 times. She tried therapy and counseling, but nothing stopped the abuse. I thought that, you know, if I loved him enough that he would love me back. Ultimately, it was the concern for her children that made her leave. When I saw it affecting my children, I guess that was what really made my mind up. For this victim and some others, they're able to escape their dangerous relationship and find comfort and safety in shelters like the one behind me. Abuse Alternatives in Bristol provides an emergency shelter, therapy, court advocacy, and much more. They you know, tried to just guide me in a direction without putting too much pressure. During the holidays, she was upset about making it a normal one for her children, but abuse alternatives took care of that as well. I had no idea how I was going to do Christmas for my kids, and they saw that Santa came. Since leaving her husband and coming to abuse alternatives, she has noticed an improvement in her children's attitudes. They smile more. They're open more. They're happy, and they feel safe. With the recent tragedy in Glade Spring, this victim knows that a similar fate could have been hers if she never got the courage to escape. I think if uh, I didn't have abuse alternatives to turn to, that you would be doing the story that you've done on her, on me. Kelsey Lair, 19 News, Bristol.
needing a new direction to go in in an abusive situation. That's why we're here. This is the Soul of America Radio. And now we return you to your host, Jay Thickland. Now, 
it is easy to identify some man, some uh, male that may have committed domestic violence, that may have uh, lived a life of being uh, very uh, violent toward their intimate partner. But why is it we're not having enough conversation about individuals and males that are now getting involved in the likes of Ozell Pace Jr. and other men that are getting involved and men of color that understands the fact that this is our responsibility as well? To the father who have a daughter life taken due to domestic violence or have had a niece or uh, or have had a grandchild uh, lose their life or uh, to live in this type of abusive situation, tell them that this is a woman's issue. To the brother who who's had to now raise his sister's children due to the fact that her life has been taken due to domestic violence, tell him that this is a woman's issue. To the uncle who finds himself mourning and grieving over his niece, tell him that this is a woman's issue. The point I'm making is this, is that we have to demand that man up, stand up against domestic violence, and that we have to do this type of work. We must sound the alarm, and that is what we're trying to do tonight. Those of you that are listening, do you listen to Hope and Healing, the Journey to Holiness? I am your Host J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us. And we have tonight with us on the line our special guest, Mr. Ozell Pace, Jr. Uh, he is a cultural, culturally specific advocate there at our house in Greenville, Mississippi, and they're doing some tremendous work there. And I want to continue uh, our dialogue here, but I want to go from this perspective, Ozell. You know, I just gave okay. an example of, of the fact that, you know, domestic violence doesn't happen in a vacuum. Domestic violence hurt men when they lose and see pain of their loved one. And my question for you, and I know that you've been around our house and, and the tremendous work that you all do there and, and just new life and, and, you know, Bishop Mitchell and his commitment to seeing, uh, the, making sure that people are trained and that you all understand certain things. I know of a project that you all did where you all brought in these men these fathers, these men who had lost loved ones due to domestic violence. And I remember being there and just looking at the exhibit, and my heart was just touched in such a powerful way. In your opinion, why is it so important that we as men be included in this process? Well, and I remember uh, the, the, the event that you're, you're speaking about, it was the, the father's conversation. Uh, and I remember I actually yes. came uh, from school uh, uh, that weekend to attend that event. Um, but it, it's important to, to get men involved. Uh, and it's going to go back to, to, to this, uh, what we've been saying is that violence against women is a, man, a man's issue. Uh, so we we have to get our mindset out that it only affects uh, women, but it, it affects men as well um, because it, it it affects especially from a, from coming from a perspective from a man uh, violence against women uh, it hurts us it it hurts uh, the women uh, and the girls that we love uh, uh, it it impacts our community. Um, when we just sit back and allow it to happen, and, and that's the biggest thing, a lot of, and, you know, and statistics, we can look at statistics and see the majority of men are not perpetrators. But sit, once we sit back and allow it to happen, uh, when we allow sexist jokes and 
just hostile attitudes, when we allow that to happen, we perpetrate that violence against women. Uh, so it, it's important because it's, it's, it's our issue. It affects the women that we love. Uh, it not only affects that, and you gave a great example, uh, trying to tell the, 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 uh, the man who has to raise his uh, sister's children because now she, uh, she, she's no longer with us because she has uh, succumbed to uh, domestic violence. No one should ever be put in, in, in that position where uh, a loved one is taken away at, at the census hands of another partisan. Um, and it, it, is, it goes back to, you know, I'll, we always say, put yourself uh, in that person's shoes. Would you want someone to hit uh, your mother, your sister, uh, uh, anybody, any woman related to you, not even hit, uh, would you want someone to, to, to speak negative to, to them, to abuse them emotionally, uh, to abuse them spiritually, to uh, abuse them financially? That's one of the hardest things. And, like, I take it personally. Anytime I, I, I hear that uh, domestic violence is going on, and, and while, uh, you know, I, I, I may not see and hear as much uh, uh, physical abuse. I hear about the, the physical portion, but the emotional portion uh, it affects me more. Uh, I was recently um, uh, approached uh, by a, a young lady uh, who told me uh, that her husband was using the Bible uh, to basically abuse her. So that's, that's there we go to spiritual abuse, uh, and a lot of people don't talk about it, but it happens. People will twist and manipulate. Uh, no matter what faith you're in, uh, if if you're Muslim, they will manipulate manipulate the Quran uh, to abuse you. If you're a Christian, they will manipulate the Bible to abuse you. So whatever faith walk you're in, or if you're no no faith walk at all, um, should never be in a position uh, where we're adding to the abuse or where we're just being bystanders uh, and allowing it to happen. So in our situation, it starts with, with just the, the, the conversations. If you sit there and somebody make a sexist joke and you laugh, you're adding to this culture. You're adding uh, 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 to, to the problem that we have in our society. You're adding to violence against women. So you're no better than the abuser. If you're sitting back and laughing at it, and if you have a hostile env- environment, uh, I believe it was white ribbon. Who, uh, who did a study, and that study came out to found that men who are sexist and have a hostile uh, attitude are more likely to pe- perpetrate violence against women. So just take that uh, statistic right there. Uh, and I, I'm not sure, you know, how old that statistic is, but it's true. So, you know, the question goes back to, to, ask, us, uh, to ask anybody, are we adding, are we adding, uh, 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 to the issue, to the problem that we have in society, in this society, uh, this is most definitely a men's issue because at the end of the day, it it it, it hurts the women and girls that we love. Uh, and the sad part about it is, a lot of them leave with the attitude, and I know as far as my generation, I hear this a lot that all men are the same, and that it, it makes all men seem as a potential threat. And when the reality is, all men are not, are not a potential threat. Uh, the reality is, you know, your next husband, your, your next spouse, your next significant other, uh, 
may not be an abuser or a potential threat, but because uh, men, you know, uh, because of violence against women, because it hurts them, and not only hurts them physically, but emotionally, spiritually, uh, verbally, it hurts them in every way possible, and it has a longing, a lasting effect on them. So it's at the end of the day, it's, it, it is a man's issue, and that's why we need to speak up. That's why we need to be more vocal. We can no longer remain silent. We can no longer sit by and allow it to happen. You know, you said a lot there, and it is so it is so needed to be said. And one of the things that I echo is this: is that we as men also have a responsibility of modeling what why uh, what healthy uh, relationship looks like. I'm a father of four sons and one daughter. Now, my one daughter is my princess. There's no discussion about that. There's no discussion about that, hands down. She's my princess. She's my second oldest. But the thing that was incredibly important to me always was the fact of not only the way I treat her, the way that she saw me interact, but it was also important to me that my sons understood how to treat their sister. It's important to me that they understood that. Uh, Inside of me teaching my sons how to be gentlemen, I taught them how to be gentlemen by how they treated their sister. It didn't matter that she was older than uh, than three of them. I still wanted them to open the door for her. I still wanted them to respect her in every manner because I it was important for them to model that, And but they had to see it with me first. And so inside of that, as men, we don't want to give our girls an example that it's all right to be right. to any kind of way or to be handled. So there's a lot of responsibility that is there. And a lot of the work that we've done, not only inside of prisons and outside of prison, but with men group, we often ask the question. Since a lot of time we're riding a sense of, uh, of masculinity that have been given to us. We've defined it by the wrong means and wrong standard. And I ask the question often of men, would you? Want your daughter to date a guy like yourself? Yeah, that's good. Would you? And for most of them, it scares them half to death. Just for them to think just a moment if their daughter encountered someone like themselves. And what do I mean by that? When you have always, or the only thing that you've always known to do was to manipulate, and the only tools that you have ever operated with when it came to inter, uh, interpersonal relationship was manipulation. When it was things that to get over, that's all you know. And you think about it, and this scared men half to death. What if your daughter encountered somebody that was as slick as you, somebody that was as conniving and deceitful as you, someone who was as, you know, as, uh, if you would, uh, uh, the master of manipulation? And most of them, that there shakes them to, to even – Imagine their daughter encountering that. But it also is a, a moment of awakening when they recognize the fact that that could happen. But it helps them understand the very things that they have done and for many that are still doing. These are the type of things that begin to reinforce the wrong message inside of our sons. And so that's why it's so important that we model the correct thing. Area code 323 9638, that is how you reach us. You're listening to Hope and Healing, The Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Dicklin. And we have with us tonight our very special guest, Mr. Ozell Pace, Jr. Uh, he is a culture-specific uh, advocate there at our house. 
in Greenville, Mississippi, and the Mississippi Delta there. Now, you've had very good dialogues that's going on, but many of you that are there, and I'm looking at many of you there on the board, if you, I definitely would love, we'd like to hear from you, your questions and our comment tonight. If you're already holding on, simply hit one. Go ahead and hit one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you have something to say or a question, and I'd like to have you to say something tonight here, and we'd like to get you on. We only have about, if you would, about actually about 15 minutes of broadcast time in the show. And I'd like to get you on tonight, those of you that are listening uh, here tonight, uh, any of our uh, cohort and our, our co-hosts that are out there, uh, Dr. Douglas, and uh, as well as uh, Chief Blow, if you're interested in coming on or you'd like to contribute to this, please hit one on your keypad, and that lets us know if you want to come on. I'd like to invite your dialogue, and, and, and particularly both of you, in terms of the fact, here it is, you're hearing a young man in Ozell that uh, has a passion for this, that is doing this work, and uh, it's a call to other men and other males to get involved. Uh, we've heard him uh, actually talk about some things that they're doing there through our house that I think really speaks directly to our churches inside of things that we can do to help bring hope, healing, and to make a difference in our, in our community. The Ashante proverb says that the run of a nation begins in the homes of its people. And there's no other place, uh, there's no other place that we know uh, other than the church that has family like the church does. So I want you to come on, those of you that are listening, Eric 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. Uh, hit one on your keypad. We'll bring you on right after uh, the commercial break. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us, and we'll be right back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. And remember, you can catch this show every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 8 o'clock p.m. Central. And give them a call tonight at 323-784-9638. 323-784-9638. This is Thor. You give Jay a call right now. And now, back to the show.
And welcome back to Hope and Healing, our journey to hold us. This is your host, J.R. Chicklin. I'm so very glad that you join us. And and we have about uh, just a little bit less than about 12 minutes left. But uh, we're back, and uh, we apparently have had some technical board uh, trouble. Uh, for those of you that may have been hitting one on the keypad, it is not registering. But I want to bring in a long end of the conversation tonight, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Annette well, my dear friend and colleague there, Dr. Michael Blow, and we're going to bring him on right now. Good afternoon, Dr. Douglas and Chief Blow. Good afternoon. Um, I'm glad to be here tonight and to hear Mr. Ozell speak. And I'm familiar with the um, the the the, um, the program that he's working with Dr. Davenport, and they are doing some excellent work. And I've always admired what she's doing with the program. And to hear uh, Mr. Ozell's involvement is also quite appreciative. Um, I, I know your theme tonight is in regard to uh, the holiday season and how it's affecting yeah. our uh, our abusers and our victims. And I just wanted to interface to indicate that the holiday season is always very hard, and it's during the time of the year that we have a number of suicides and homicides uh, involved. It's just a seasonal time for all races. And when it comes to domestic abuse, there is a high rate during that season. And unfortunately, it begins about the second week of December through the third week of January. And many of it, especially in the African-American society, is uh, due and caused by our socioeconomic status. This is a time of year when men want to feel like men want to do for their families, and they want to make sure that Christmas is uh, high in their home. And because it's a, a period of time when the um, economics are low, they feel depressed. And that's where we have a lot of encounters with black male depression. And it's so unfortunate. There's not enough literature available for people to understand black male depression. You'll find a lot regarding uh, white male, but not black male. And, of course, we know that it's very different. So, um, and this is what happens. You can take a scenario of a family where they're pretty much of a happy family. But when it comes to that time of the year and he cannot provide um, for his family as a big Santa, because children are commercialized by TV and what they like to have for Christmas, and he can't do it. And here you have a nagging spouse. Uh, well, if you did this, this wouldn't have happened. And you should have done that, you know, and that happened. And so very often, even though that male may not have ever abused his wife or his family before, suddenly strikes out. And this sometimes happens. And so the centers like those um, in uh, where that word is, those centers are open and open to help before it happens. So hopefully there are enough people on this program tonight will understand that before you strike, go to some of these centers, which are throughout the country, and tell them, I'm feeling this type of depression. 
and I don't like this feeling, and it's getting to me, and I don't want to abuse my family. I need help. And so now that happens not just with the, the male, but with female as well, the single-parent families, um, female who are the only um, parent in the house, and they are the working parents, and they cannot provide for their family as they would like. They, too, go through that depression when it comes to the holiday season. And so they strike out in times with their children, and they don't mean to, but they're so depressed within themselves and not being able to provide, the child may come in the room and say, Mommy, I want this. Get in the room. I can't help you now. But that's what happens. And a lot of it, like I said, is due to the economic pressures that are on us. So I ask families who are going through situations to try to recognize that this is not you. This is not what you're used to. This is not what you want. Please call the number, visit a center, and get help there just to help to soothe what's going on. And you'd be surprised that sometimes these centers have um, Christmas gifts there to try to help you through your family situation and your family time. And that's most important. And I wanted to address that because I hear you saying that this is the season. And sometimes this is the season for the reason for them to exert domestic violence. You know, you bring up something so important, Dr. D, and the fact that it, 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 and it's, a, it's an echo of a, of a uh, point that I've been making for years, and uh, and sometimes I guess I come across as being a uh, 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 you know a Scrooge or whatever, and I and I talk about the over commercialization of this holiday season, and because of the over commercialization on it, it does, if you would, reinforce and compounds a lot of sense of worthlessness uh, to to men, to people when they start feeling like they can't, they've struck out, they fail. Uh, they start feeling as if, you know, uh, they was undeserving. There are so many things that contribute to this depression, and we think about it. I mean, it's such a contradiction to what, quote, unquote, the holiday is supposed to be about, peace on earth, <laughs> okay, and goodwill to all men. And yet it still is during this time of year that people are stealing gifts uh, off of doors and stealing from people that have gone out to buy gifts, and they will break in cars, break in homes to take the gift that someone else worked for in order to give it to someone else. And so there's a, there's really, a, if you would, almost a crazy uh, type of mindset that goes on during this time. And when we have those things that become compounded, when people feel like uh, a disappointment, um, you know, uh, I call failed expectation, uh, uh, failure to perform, all of these things definitely compound the issue, and we never say that it justifies it, but it definitely, you know, it, it gives us an idea of what informs an individual. You know, uh, when there's a lot of emphasis on what, what this holiday should be like, oftentimes for those that may be in the category of the have-not, it really impacts them in a great way. And I know that we only have a couple of minutes there, but I wanted to bring on uh, Chief Blow as well. I wanted to get his input here because there's a lot of things that have been happening around this holiday season. And, you know, and uh, I was listening to uh, 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 Ms. Ozell, who's still with us. By the way, all of you are on the line at the same time. And we're, we're talking about, you know, the need for us as men to become involved inside of this. And yet it's still, you know, this, this time here really continues to heighten 
the issue of, uh, of abuse and violence, uh, more so than a little bit. I cited a couple of cases on last week's show uh, where officers have been shot and killed in the line of duty with domestic violence uh, this month. I've already cited four cases in, before we even got to the 15th December. And so, Chief, you know, as you come on, I know your experience uh, speaks loud in terms of uh, being exposed to domestic violence, but particularly the holiday season. How have you seen it, you know, throughout your career and yet see it now? Um, how do you see uh, this being a time where where we just see the escalation of, of, of domestic violence? Chief, are you there? I'm not sure we you still have the mute button on or not. Trying to see if, if Chief Blow is still there on the air with us or not. Inside of that, I'm not sure. The line is open. Um, I don't know if he's muted or not. But we'll go back to that and everything. And wow, our time is getting away. We have about another two minutes that's left in this portion there. And so why don't I do this? And we'll definitely uh, try to continue with this on next week. Uh, uh, Ozell, you're still with us, and I want to get some of your closing thoughts tonight and a message that you might want to leave for many that are listening, in particular men, uh, about this issue of domestic violence. Um, this is a, a, a message I could leave for, for men in general. Um, it, it starts with a joke. Um, it starts with just... Um, just one sexist joke, just one, one, one joke, uh, and a lot of times, and I can speak, especially in our generation, uh, well, my generation, uh, the millenniums, um, a lot of times we don't take things as serious as we should, and we should. Uh, violence against women, and I'm, I'm a, I will continue to repeat it, is a man's issue. Uh, every man should should be involved. Um, in speaking out against it, and and when I go and do my uh, do bystander uh, prevention, uh, do bystander intervention presentations, I will always say uh, and have said uh, I'm not asking you to be Superman, uh, but I'm asking you to do something. Uh, if you see it happening, uh, whether it's uh, domestic violence or sexual assault or interpersonal violence, do something. There are safe ways where you can intervene. Uh, and save a life, um, but like you stated before, what if it was your mother, your sister, your niece, your daughter? Would you want somebody to do something or sit back and allow it to happen? So don't be Superman, but do something. Absolutely, absolutely. Real good advice. It's no time to sit on our hands or to stand by and watch things happen. We have to be proactive inside of this. At our time, I don't know if Chief Lowe, did you get on? I know that we have about another minute uh, and a half of broadcast time. I don't know if Chief, are you there? Okay. All right. Well, Dr. D, definitely, yeah, I brought you on a little late, but I always am interested in your thoughts, especially your closing thoughts. As we're, you know, we're, we're you know, we're less than seven days out before quote, the Christmas holiday, and yet it's still there has been a, just a proliferation of homicides that have happened here. And um, I'm so glad that one of my dear friends is on the line, but, you know, um, you know, uh, a friend of her buried his daughter this past weekend in a domestic violence uh, incident. 
and I'm not sure if um, I, I know that uh, I know that uh, my friend is there. I'm not sure if she hit one on the key in her, and if she just did not uh, come on. If not, if you're still listening out there, one day you just you know text me and let me know if you want to come on with these last few minutes because uh, the fact this is devastating. This is so devastating this time of year. And, you know, Dr. D, I definitely wanted you to comment on this because, in fact, you know, you know, the holiday season is definitely one that, that brings so much, not only pressure, uh, depression in many cases, uh, people are hurting. And yet and still, when we see these type of tragic losses around the holiday period, that compounds it, and it really – it really reframes the way those individuals impacted by this see the holidays, you know, even futuristically. And I wanted just to get your 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 thought on that. Um, I wanted to say that you're right. We we can't change that um, that that's during a very good period, but we can try to help those that may. Going through it or about to go through it. That's why we ask people to say, "Help, help me." Don't be afraid to say that. Uh, I wanted to also compliment your sons uh, with their sister because it says it tells their sister that I'm not going to set, accept the fact that the person who I'd like to be with is not opening my car door for me. Even my brothers. That's a, a learning aspect, you know, that, and that helps the system. Not just, and then the brothers, of course, as well, they're saying, I'll never do that with my state because my father has taught me better. You know, that, that's respect that starts there. And so, of course, it starts in the younger years. Um, I see with my grandsons who were just 12 years old. Um, they do that same with the respect, and they don't understand people who don't because they don't know any difference. They know that this is the way it should be done. And so it starts at Absolutely. home in the growing up years, very in the beginning, and that helps them to drive. Now, for those who haven't had it in the beginning and they're older now, wise up. That's one of the areas where um, Mr. Ozell was talking about the programs they have with their men and adult men. And some of the adult men will not admit that they don't know any better. They, too, don't know any better. So joining a men's group is important as well. Uh, joining so that you can assimilate and talk about things and, and be open about it. Uh, some men say in the group that I don't want the other to know that I didn't know or I don't know because I feel slighted. Please don't feel that way. You know, don't be afraid to speak up and say, Tell me more, you know, and so that's where we have with educating our men. And I love that the Lucky Davenport program because she's about educating adults as well. So in my closing remark, I just ask that individuals, everyone, male, female, even children, speak up, speak up and speak out, not only about the situation, but ask questions so that they will learn and then they can pass it on to others. Absolutely. Well, as always, words of wisdom and words to live by, and I'm so glad that you're with us tonight. And uh, we'll come down. We've actually gone beyond that time, but uh, we're, I know that we're still broadcasting by way of live on, on radio. The Internet part may have shut down. But uh, we want to say a special thank you to our uh, special guest tonight, Mr. Ozell uh, Pace, Jr. of 
our house there. He is the culture-specific advocate there, uh, doing some great work in the great Mississippi Delta. And as always, for all of our listeners being there, uh, definitely our friend and colleague and co-host, Dr. Annette Douglas. And to each and every one of you, I'm going to say have a very safe and very prosperous uh Merry Christmas, and in doing this time here, please be aware, please be conscious. Love is not abuse, and abuse is not love. Beware, understand that there is a tomorrow if you can get through today. Love well, give well, and most of all, treat each other right. And until next time, this is Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is J.R. Ficklin. I'm going to say Merry Christmas to you, and we'll see you on next week right here at Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. God bless.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.